0: Wonderful. It's good to be together tonight. It's exciting. Mark and Candace, the couple who lead the church, lead the eldership team here, they're away this weekend as the boom. Here comes the boom. No? Sort it out. Ah, very cool. Um, they're away this weekend, but they'll be back next weekend. Is that all right? Is that going to be there? Every time I move, I hear something. Okay, good. We just want to get the, the gremlins out the system already. But just before we move, say anything else, I want to just say hi to a couple of friends. This man is Steve. This man, his name is Steve. This guy... A good man. He's, he's a man who used to be involved with the leadership of the youth here, poured a lot of his life into young people here. He's studying up in Stellenbosch, so he's coming down every now and again to visit. It's really cool to have you here, Steve. It's nice to see a mate. And then two of my other mates, there we are, Ann Cave from Craig Manor. very good to see you guys all the way from Derb's and the southern suburbs, respectively. Really cool to have you guys. That beard is looking good, Craig. Very nice. Really cool to have them here. Good to worship together as friends tonight. Is that not great, eh? Good thing. Let's pray. Wayne's prayer was great. But I pray we need two prayers. That's how how bad I sometimes am. Father, I pray tonight, would you open our hearts, enlighten our understanding that we may know you deeper. You're taking us further and further on, God. We love you, and we honor you this this evening by humbling ourselves for your word to us. Amen. Final shout-out before we get going. Liverpool won 4-0 for any of those who are wanting to know. So we are top of the log. So I just wanted to let you guys know that just get out the way. Yeah? I think it's more important things. We don't want to even pollute the pulpit with earthly matters like Liverpool's soccer team. Rubbish. Who really cares? But just so i let, it, let you all know. Weeks, right? Great. Anyway, wonderful. We are in the middle of a series called But God and a series to Ephesians. But before we get there, I want to just set the platform tonight to go right back to the beginning, called a book called Genesis, the book of the beginnings. And why are we doing that? We're going to look at chapter 1, 2, and 3 very briefly in two minutes. Because what theologians often talk about, they say if you want to find anything about God in the Bible, if you want to know what God has to say or about your role as man or what he is doing, the best place to start is the beginning. Am I right? This is not choose your own adventure where you just start somewhere. We start at the beginning and we make a beeline for Christ and see where God is taking us. And it's called God's Original Intent. You'll find God's original intent, what he, His plan was for mankind, for you and I, for this thing called the church, for husband and wife, for all these things, for relationship with Him, is found in Genesis 1, 2, and 3. But let me just briefly run through this. Here's in chapter 1, God creates the heavens and the earth. Very exciting, all who got that down, everyone heard that before. He creates the heavens and the earth simultaneously. He speaks and the heavens and the earth come into being. Then what he does a little bit further in chapter 1 is he creates male and female. Chapter 6, can we turn those off because otherwise my knots will fly. He creates male and female. And then in Genesis chapter 1 verse 28, he gives this man and wife, this first family, this first picture of the church, two people who've come together for a greater purpose than themselves. He gives them authority and says, take dominion of the planet. Sounds exciting. God's first breath of um, his first meta-narrative that he breathes into the story of creation is he creates heaven and earth and he says to man and woman, he says, it's yours. All yours. I want to tell you that what happens in God's original tent, we just skipped to chapter 3, there comes a distortion. It's called the fall of man. And what happens is where God has created heavens and the earth for mankind, mankind immediately because of sin, as their sin enters into their hearts, man is condemned forever until a certain point, to an earthly reality. Where we we're created to understand the heavens and the earth, so in chapter 3, verse 17, it says that you now will toil the ground. It says you will be, oh, you'll be a man who, who sows into the earth, and from dust you'll be born, and to dust you'll die. From what is created to be this great exploration of the heavens and the earth, mankind is dumbed down to just an earthly existence. Flesh and bone, and that's about it. And then what we see further on in chapter, in chapter 3, verse 16, this male and female relationship that's created beautiful and to, be, to symbolize what God was doing gets distorted and control and division come into play. Control and trying to rule over each other. It's verse 16 of chapter 3, He says, and women, you'll be in, in submission to the man and the man will rule over you even though you want to have control of him. The first start of the friction in male and female relationships starts happening. Stuff is going awry. In chapter 4, we see it goes even further, that the first family that was created to show God's glory and unity start killing each other as brother kills brother. The first thing that happens out of the garden is brother kills brother. Cain kills Abel, and authority is lost. In three short chapters, we go with heaven and earth at our disposal to being people who cannot see further than where we put our next foot for the next day. But great news is the plan doesn't stop there. We see in the book of Ephesians, that's where I'm launching from tonight, is in chapter 1, verse 10. It says this amazing thing. It says, now this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ. Everything in heaven and on earth. The book of Ephesians, I want to tell you, is a book that's written by a man named Paul to a real people in a real place from a prison cell. Paul's writing from a prison cell, but he's declaring great spiritual truth, telling them, listen, you once were people who were just pushed us out into an earthly reality, but because Christ has come back, Christ has come to redeem all things, and he's opening up a heaven and an earth reality for every one of us to understand and explore. I want to tell you that we were made to explore heaven and earth. We are, both, we are made for both realms. I know this might sound some quite exciting stuff, or you might be looking at me a little bit worried tonight, but I want to help us understand this, because the book of Ephesians is going to help us, this journey we're on, to reshape the way we think. I really strongly believe we as a people believe that what, what you believe leads to how you behave, not the other way around. So often we are sold 10 ways to behave, and then you'll become a better person. Do these five steps, and then you'll be a better husband. Do this, do that, and you'll be a better worker at, at work. But the Bible says this. He says to be a son of God, you have to believe your son, and that's, then the behavior follows that. Yeah. Let me explain it this way. What you believe is what you will manifest. Let me say it again. What you believe, you will manifest. So to help you understand that, if you are a little child, or you have a little child, and they are convinced that there is a boogeyman in the cu- cupboard, No matter what you say or do, if they believe there's someone in the closet, they will manifest fear. True? Let's help maybe a little bit for an older crowd. So we've got some teenagers here. And if they really believe they have a pimple on their face or some spinach on their teeth, they are going to, no matter how hard you tell them, no one really sees it. They will manifest lack of self-confidence. It's the truth. What you believe leads to what you manifest. I want to tell you, if the church uh, believe that we are just here today and gone tomorrow, and we just are here in a very earthly, earthy reality, and there's not much more than just this, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die, or let's just try and build, do earthly things, outside of the spiritual realm, not understanding those things, we will manifest just a very fleshly church, who just do fleshly things. Somebody once said, if the Holy Spirit was removed from the church tomorrow, he believes that 90% of the churches will just continue as normal. That's an indictment against us. And tonight I just want to push us in the right direction so we can start getting excited again about what God is doing. So let me help us here. There's two ways to think about this. The the early church, Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus because a lot of his writings got caught up to some people who are Gnostic thinkers. There there are things called the Gnostic Gospels. And what this means, Gnosticism, basically means people who say, we hate fleshly things, I hate the body because we are spiritual people. I, don't, I hate it when I... And they declare, they walk around saying, I am not sick, and vomiting as they go. I am not sick in Jesus' name. No, you're sick. Sounds like someone else I know, Fiona just said. That's <laughs> been my earthly reality this last 24 hours. But I want to tell you, the Gnostic, the Gnostic thought is that the spiritual is only the only thing of importance. This earthly reality, ah, just push it away. It's bad, it's evil, it'll all burn, so who really cares? Now there's the other side, which is the ascetic way of thinking, where people think that... It's just, what really matters is that what, we, what we do now, today. What we do today echoes into eternity, as Gladiator once said. And they start, what your decisions and how you live today matter more than things of spiritual consequence. But I want to tell you that Paul was writing to these people and he's trying to tell them that you are not an either or people, you are a both ends. That you are made, Paul says, declares in chapter 1 verse 10 of Ephesians, that Christ brings heaven and earth, boom, under his authority. And he releases it to the church. I'll tell you why this is massive for us is because we are always, you and I, if we are believers in Christ Jesus, we are always, right now, you are 100% physical person. Shock, horror, believe it or not, you are real as a person. Revelation right there, write that one down, I am real. But I want to tell you at the same time, in the same breath, you are right now 100% a spiritual being. Not either or, not pick or choose, not I'm not really feeling spiritual today, you are a spiritual being. Sometimes I believe the world are more convinced of spirituality than the church are. The world are more convinced they're looking in the wrong place, but the church, they're, they're, but they're trying to engage with the spiritual realm. That's why some of the top two most successful shows in BBC in the last year have been around magicians, Dynamo and Chris Angel. Why? Because they long for the supernatural. But the church sometimes shout, no, 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 we don't want to be, a, we don't want to be weird. And I'm right, I'm, I agree with you, I don't want to be weird, but I want to be Christian. I want to tell you why this is huge. Is because Jesus Christ, we are living in this reality. Why? Because Christ modeled it for us. He came as 100% God and 100% man. It's called hyperstatic union. That in every step Christ took, he was 100% a man. And with every step he took, he was 100% God. He did not lay either side at any time. He, died. he lived as man and lived as God. And he died as man and he died as God. Do you know that? That on the day, why they were so cosmic and powerful? It wasn't just a good man who was dying for you and I. It was a God man. That day, God died physically and spiritually. We have to understand these ramifications. Why? Because it opens up not only us to live a fullness life of physical well-being today and making impact infl- today, but it ma- helps us understand the spiritual ramifications that we get to live in. Because Christ died as both, we can live as both. I want to help us here. We're getting somewhere here. We're just relaying groundwork here. I want to tell you why this is huge. Is because Sometimes if we don't get this, and this is a fundamental, fundamental doctrine we have to understand, but it's been so ignored by the church, is because we will then miss our mission. We'll miss what we have to do. We'll get focused on side projects, but we won't understand the call of the church, the true power of the church. What did Jesus, if you ever want to know the will of God for his church, for his people, it's never more evident than in the Lord's prayer. He says, God, your kingdom come, your will be done. What is that will? On earth as it is in heaven. If we miss the understanding that we are supposed to, we were birthed, we are created to explore both realms, heaven and Earth, we will miss this fact that Earth is supposed to be looking more and more like heaven, that the church become the gatekeepers of heaven and release it onto Earth. But I promise you, my problem is this: I believe most of the church are so unspiritual, or they don't believe they're spiritual people with spiritual promises, they don't have a clue what heaven looks like. So what are we releasing to Earth? More Earth, but just fancier-looking Earth. Are you all right? Everyone okay? i want to read this quote. It says this, and then we're going to launch into it. The history of the church is full of such radicals, men and women of no reputation, who impacted their respective day by dwelling in the transcendent realm of heaven. This is open and available for us. Father, help us this evening. Ephesians 1, verse 3. Let's make some sense of this. Everyone still with me? I know this is a, a little bit hectic for a Sunday night. Everyone okay, though? I'll tell you the whole purpose of us preaching this series. We're working our way through the book of Ephesians. Last week, we launched into grace and peace. This morning, we spoke around inheritance. And tonight, we're looking a little bit further into verse 3. We're just laying foundations and groundwork for us as a church. This is not a spoon-feeding session. This is to stir you to go and read Scripture. This is going to stir you up. Please go and read the book of Ephesians. Go and ask these questions. Because this is not my journey. This is our journey Together. This is our journey, so let's do that. Ephesians 1 verse 3, your Bible might read a little differently, but this is just a different version. The New Living Translation says this, all praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. If there ever is a scripture you want to learn off by heart, that is a good place to start. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are in Christ. Powerful stuff. Let's help open this up. We have to know, I believe the church is stuck in an earthly reality because we are unaware of the spiritual blessings that we have been blessed with. And these are spiritual blessings. People will say the word blessing becomes light and trivial. Bless you, son. Oh, bless you. I hope you have a blessed day. And we, have no, we don't even know what that means. It's just quite a religious little phrase. It doesn't help us. It doesn't give us any power. It doesn't give us any authority. But I want to tell you, God has blessed us with some things. And we need to understand what he has blessed us with as Spider-Man himself runs past. <laughs> Hello, Spider-Man. There you go. No, no problem. <laughs> it's a good place to be. Wonderful. <laughs> it's a good dad, that man. Wonderful. So I want to start us off this, tonight for us to understand two principles, and I hope, you, hope these go deep into our soul. First principle is this, is that I am a physical being, but I have a new nature. I am a physical being, but I have been given a new nature. I said it this morning, but there's a scripture that I love. It says, the old is gone, the new has come. I am a new creation. Now, the Bible gives us, the, the, the Greek rendering gives us two options here of what to choose when we read the scripture around the word New. So you, one way to read it is, the old is gone, the new has come. That word new, we translate it as neos. And that sort of Greek word has the understanding This new, it means upgrade. So the old is gra- gone, you are now upgraded. So that's as if you were driving a Hyundai i10, and the dealership then phoning you and say, listen, Mr. Phillips, we made a mistake, you actually were supposed to get the upgrade, it's a Hyundai i20 for you, and you're like, we've done it, bigger boot space. A nicer hue of blue on the light. Or if you have been struggling with your BlackBerry for a long time and the battery just keeps on dying on you and you're just really, really wishing you didn't have a BlackBerry. Anyone here? Anyone? Just checking. And then the Vodacom phone, you say, listen, your upgrade is ready, iPhone 5 for you. And you're like, hallelujah, celebration times begin. The old is gone, the new, the upgrade has come. The problem with this is that the understanding that gets, if we adopt that word, which is unfortunately not the word Paul uses, we, but we, we, I think the church adopts because of earth reality, we understand, just we shrink it to a small thing. We start thinking it's there was Gabe version 1.0, now it's Gabe 2.0. New and improved, slightly better. Just a bandage on for me, a bandage here, a bandage, on, and I can still try and do my same old, but, but we're now we call it a Christian lifestyle. The Bible doesn't use neos, it uses the word kairos. And the kairos means totally never seen before, brand spanking new. The old is gone, the new has come. I want to tell you, this is profound because we are no longer, I, no, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Yeah. I want to tell you, this is so huge because some, some of us think we're battling with two natures, a sinful nature and a, and a, a new nature. It's yin versus yang. Which one will overwhelm come right today? If, will I submit to this one or this one? Who will overpower who? I want to tell you what Christ did was he took a scalpel to you and he said, I cut out your dead unbelieving hearts and I put a new one in. I do not, I'm not some morphed being with two hearts, a heart of stone and a heart of flesh. I have a heart of flesh that he has put in because without that heart, I could not never even love him. I tell you, we have a new nature. I tell you why this is profound is because Paul, in every one of his letters, he starts off, no matter whether the churches he's talking to are really, really professional sinners like the church at Corinth or people who are holding back and trying to prove them righteous like the church in Galatia, but he starts off by saying, to, the, to God's chosen holy people. Paul no longer addresses them. Their address changes from you sinful sinner. Uh, the preachers who go like this and go, be holy for I'm holy, says the Lord. He doesn't do that. He comes and says, you are holy. Yeah. He calls you, you are righteous. If you have found yourself in Christ, I want to tell you right now, you are 100% holy. Holy, the word holy means set apart. Completely set apart. And this is my thought here. If somebody came and said to you, listen, I have a bottle of water, it is 99% pure. But there's 1% of poop in there. (laughs) Can I tell you something? If anyone tells me that's pure, I'll tell you lying. That is totally disgusting. It's not pure in any way, shape or form. To be pure and holy, you have to be 100% pure or nothing at all. There's no levels or degrees of holiness. This is your new nature. You've been given a holy, righteous nature. Powerful, powerful stuff. The Bible tells us that everything Christ has, the life Christ lived, everything he has, we get. That's this new nature we have. Everything we, the new nature we put on is not of our own accord. It is Christ giving us his nature. He puts on himself. So everything he does, we get. The rewards and benefits of Christ's life. It's amazing this. Because people then ask, okay, what about sin? What, what do you, well, if you're saying I'm, I'm no longer a sinner, but that's sometimes sin. Now here's a thought for you. You're not free to sin, but you're free from sin. You're not free to sin, you're free from sin. Believe it and you'll not sin another day. Believe it and you'll not sin another day. I want to tell you, remember I started at the beginning, if what you believe is what you manifest. If you believe you're a sinner, I promise you, your fruit will be sin. But if we believe that we are not, we are people who are born with a new identity, a new nature. The old is gone. The Kairos, the brand spanking new has come. I am no longer a sinner. Can I tell you what the fruit will come? Will be righteousness. What you believe is what you produce. If you think that you will only stop sinning when you die, then death is your savior, not Jesus. Christ died for our sin, and this is not a vote for now. Let's try hard and not sin. This is say, start believing right and it'll lead to your behavior changing. Just a thought. A strong one nonetheless. I want to tell you now that in John chapter 2, Jesus turned the water into wine. But one commentator wrote said, and for the last 2,000 years, the church has been desperately trying to turn the the wine back into water because the wine is out of their control. We can't control it. I want to tell you why that was so profound John chapter 2 because Jesus walks into a wedding with those six ceremonial washing jars filled with water. What were they used for? That water was used to cleanse the outside before they came in for their meal. Jesus went and he turned the water that cleansed the outside into wine. Something symbolic, something huge of the new covenant. The wine, what does the wine do? It goes into the inside and affects the outside. And by this, his glory was shown. I want to tell you, I think the church have been caught up in earthly reality, trying to polish and scrub themselves for years, when they don't understand that the inheritance, the spiritual blessing that says, God, our Lord, the forgotten Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, has blessed us. Done. Inheritance sealed. You have been given a new nature. We're still fighting for things that Christ has already won for us. Right believing leads to right behaving. I want to tell you this is huge because it destroys, this just who I am type of thinking. People walk around and say, oh, that's just who I am. I'm just, I'm just always angry. I'm just a critical person. Well, no, you're not. You're agreeing with your old nature, which is dead, which was crucified with Christ, which was nailed to the cross, never to be lived, resurrected again. It's time to, to agree with the risen Lord who's declaring the old is gone, the kairos has come. You have a new nature. What's also amazing and final thought here is that the Bible even goes as far as it says that you have been given the mind of Christ. I don't think the church have wrapped its head around that, that statement, excuse the pun, but we have been given the mind of Christ. We have the ability to perceive what Christ perceives. The way he sees the situation, the way he thinks about things, the way he understands heaven and earth realities, we've been given The same thinking. Time to agree with it. Just shaking the church a bit. Hope we rise up and understand. First point is this I am a physical being, but I have been given a new nature. Second and final point is I'm a physical being, but I've been given a new access. A C C E S S a new access. The Bible then one verse three says, All praise to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We sometimes will skip over that very quickly. You think it's just an introductory remark about God. But for a long time, God had not been known as Father. This, even this instance of God being known as Father and as Almighty Jehovah God was so, was so foreign to the Jewish audience, it riled them up, that when Jesus got up and said, My Father has many rooms in his house. My Father, I only do what my Father does. I only do what I see my Father doing. The people were so angry at this, they wanted to stone him because they're like, how can you call God your Father? Paul saying, we have the same relationship Jesus is the Lord, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, has blessed you. The same relationship Jesus has with his God and his father is the same relationship you and I can have with our God and our Father. The same relationship Jesus has with the Father is the same relationship you and I can have with the Father. I want to say it one more time: the same relationship Jesus has with his father. When you see me, I'm in the Father, and the Father's in me, he says. That same relationship, you and I have access to. This is good news. Why this is huge is this not just a God, the foreign concept of a God who stands at the top of a ladder and shouts down instructions of how to get up to me. He rips it down and says, I am not only a God, I am a Father, your ever-present help in time of need, An earth and heaven reality colliding under Christ. God and Father. I use this, this uh, illustration. Uh, got a little bit tongue tied illustration this morning but so profound is for so long centuries the, the world have put up this ladder the church have put up a ladder and said God's at the top we're at the bottom how do we get there and they start progressing they have a number of steps step one is do this step two is this step three what is step four we need the step four what is the breakthrough step for 2014 it's going to be step four to see a little bit closer of God I tell you what we do that and whenever we miss it or if we make a mistake it's oh, snakes and ladders back to the beginning Ooh, next year I'm gonna try harder. I'm really gonna, really gonna deny myself. This thing make some new resolutions. Go to two services on one day. Then I'll be holy. I tell you what Jesus did when Jesus came is he ripped down that ladder and he, he erected a, an escalator. Which is the, the, the final destination of this escalator, which is powers on ahead is the Father. The Father is not our goal. The Father is our guarantee. Here's what we've been given, a relationship with God. We've been given God himself. So when you stand, when you put your faith in Christ Jesus and you stand on the escalator, which is Christ, the only way to the Father, you're standing there with every single moment, the Father is becoming a deeper and deeper reality of you in your life. And when you mess up, when you sin and you're on this escalator and you make a mistake, you're like, flip, I messed up. I, I agreed with my old nature when, when I really have, I'm a new creation. And when we stand up, we realize we're actually still closer to God. How profound is that? That the escalator, our destination is the Father and there's nothing you can do. There's no ways you can saint yourself out of a sinner, a sinner nature. You can't do a lot of good deeds to become a saint and you can't sin enough to get yourself out of a saint nature. What Jesus says, I want to say this right now. This is not a new set of rules or my, myself making up some new things. This is what God has said. If God says it, I want to start believing it. Just some fundamental truth right there. Genesis 28 talks about this. There's a man, Jacob, and he goes and he has a dream and he, and he falls asleep and he wrestles with God, a man who's been on the run, living in earth reality, having to make a plan every day to make it through. He doesn't know what tomorrow will happen. He, tried to, he had to work seven years for his bride and he was even conned and had to get another ugly daughter, other daughter to marry him. It's just a mess of a story full of earth. Oh, it's terrible. Days of your life on steroids. But he gets his point where he falls asleep and he has a revelation of God and he sees a ladder ascending from earth to heaven and it says, and on it, angels were ascending and descending on it, and at the top was the Lord Almighty. Powerful. And he says, And the Lord is here. And God spoke to him. And this is an incredible moment. Can I tell you why? That is a profound story. Because in John chapter 1, a man named Jesus Christ comes. And this is what he says about himself: He says, You will see greater things than this. I tell you the truth. You will see heaven open and angels of, the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. Jesus is the greater Jacob's ladder. At that moment, Jesus becomes the ladder. He becomes the way to the Father, and he is our open heaven. I want to tell you why this is massive for us, because there's, people will talk about open heavens. You know, I walk in the air and there's open heavens here, but then I'm really struggling, I seem to be under a closed sky. I want to tell you, when Jesus died, the heavens were open forever. Never to be stitched up again. You might try your hardest, but God is no longer counting your sins against you. God is in your favor and he's erected an escalator named Jesus Christ and the heavens and the earth have been joined forever and earth and they're underneath Christ and he's given that authority to the church to understand both realms. I want to tell you, Jesus is my open heaven. Every single day I get to walk in and walk under an open heaven. Why? Because Christ is my open heaven. If you're wanting to know if you can have access to God the Father, you have it every day. No matter your behavior, no matter if you have the security code or the right card, you have access because Christ is your open heaven. No matter where you are, no matter how far you think you are from God, and that statement is false, because God says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You can run, but you can't hide. This is the truth of the gospel. Glorious gospel is that I'm walking under permanent open heaven. The heavens are never shut. And this is so massive because in Ephesians, and to learn this, Ephesians chapter 3 verse 16 says this, I pray that from His glorious, unlimited resources, He will empower you with inner strength through His Spirit. The Bible, Ephesians says, the book of Ephesians has been known as the bank of the believer or the treasure house of the Bible. So if you are in need, go read up in uh, Ephesians what is at your disposal what you have at your left and right hand, which is your access, which is your divine right because of what you've been blessed with in spiritual realms. He goes on in Genesis 3, uh, Ephesians chapter three. He says, though I'm the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously, graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I pray that this phrase will be burned on your, in, your, in your thinking. Endless treasures that are available to you in Christ endless treasures, a resource that never comes to an end. Do you think God has enough forgiveness for you? He has more than you could ever, ever imagine. He's poured it out and it is finished and you walk in as a new creation. You will never, ever be out of his favor again if you are in Christ. Today is the Lord, day of the Lord's favor. In Isaiah 61, the famous passage that he quotes, he says, uh, the day of the Lord's favor has been declared, but a day of judgment has been released. But then in in Luke chapter 4, Jesus stands up and quotes line for line that passage. But he says, and he finishes with, And today is the day of the Lord's favor. And with this, he closes up the scroll. He did not. There was one part of that scripture he left out. And today is the day of the Lord's judgment. Why? Because the day of the Lord's judgment was delivered fully on Christ. The judgment that you and I deserved has been put and laid fully on Christ. The image that I have is the one preacher once said is there's a 100-foot te- damn wall in front of us pulsating with the full weight of God's wrath and, and anger against you. And you're standing underneath it, this puny figure thingy. As soon as this dam wall breaks, I am dead. I'm a goner. And as a crack in the wall starts appearing and it starts to gush out and pour out in full force and I shy away, a massive crack opens just in front of me and the full weight of the water goes sucks deep into the crack and it swallows it up as if it was never there. The image is this, Christ on the cross. He said, God, let this cup pass before me but not my will, yours be done. He picked up the, the cup of our suffering, the cup of our sin, the cup of our sorrow, the cup of our rejection, the cup of our brokenness, and he drank it deep, deep, deep. And I have this image of God, drink Jesus drinking this cup and the full weight of my sin, the full weight of my debauchery, he's finishing it to the very last drop, the last drag as he hitting the top, making sure it's all being devoured, and he puts it upside down on the table and says, it is finished. Paid in full. This is the glorious benefits that we've been given in the spiritual realms in Christ Jesus because of this why is this important it's become, we become a portal for the kingdom of God when we understand that we walk permanently under an open sky we become a people who walk into every situation as a portal for heaven to break into earth because I, the ladder has been erected, the ladder, the escalator between me, heaven, and earth has been lifted up. And right now, at any moment, I have at my disposal the mind of Christ. At every moment, I have at my disposal the full resources of heaven. At any moment, I have the resource enough for my, my spouse. When I, do, I don't know what to do tomorrow about my wife, God, I cannot do this with her anymore. The heavens are open, resources are available. Believe it. It changes your behavior. If you say, tomorrow, Monday, I have a job from hell and I hate my boss. I will tell you right now, you're walking on the open heaven. You can walk into that room and you have open heavens. Any resource you want for perseverance, for peace that passes all understanding, for faith in a moment, the resources of heaven are yours by divine inheritance. Believe it. It changes. Believe it. Because it's true. The church moves from China. This is why it's massive. The final thought as Jerry Springer says. And now for my final thoughts. This is so paramount for us as a church to understand because the church, once we get this, the church moves from trying to preach the hell out of the world, the posture that the church typically take, be careful, you're a sinner, you're sinners, trying to get the hell out of the world, and we move to begin letting heaven loose onto it. It's a radically different prospect. The church were created to let heaven loose on earth. I want to pray that that is your say. That I'm disqualified. I don't know if I'm qualified. My aim this evening was to let you know that you are so qualified to live in both realities. 100% spiritual, 100% physical. And God is so much more for us. Can we pray? In the book of Revelations, chapter 21, it talks about a God's city whose gates are never shut. It says, the light never goes out. Right now, as we sit here, I just believe God is declaring over every heart here, He's saying, His gates are no longer shut. I have a picture of those, those games as those kids used to play, open gates, and where one person got through, the rest ran through, freely and excitedly into the fullness of the rest of the game. I want to tell us tonight that Jesus got through and he yelled out open gates. Father God, I pray right now for a a deep sense of reality knowing that the heavens have been opened, that your favor has been released, that we are a spiritual people with spiritual promises and we have access to the heavenly realms, the deep resources of heaven. Right now, as you sing there, I'm just going to ask us as a people just to open our hands gently if you can open your hearts to God if you need to raise your hands I just believe God is going to release a deep sense of his favor upon us, a deep sense of his affection. Father, I pray right now where people have been battling with condemnation, with thoughts of unworthiness, of feelings that, no, I'm I'm only this good, I'm not good enough for that. Or I pray right now, God, where sins have mocked and mocked and haunted us for years, and we have not been able to move through past those moments. I pray right now, God, you're releasing your favor to your son, Jesus Christ, and you're declaring the gates are open. Come on in. I thank you, Father God, for your grace. Thank you for your peace. And thank you for your inheritance given to us. We receive it tonight by faith. I thank you, God, that your people, what they believe, will be what they start to manifest. In your same we pray. Amen.